0: Hello and welcome to Sports with Sam. I'm Sam Chomsky. Joined alongside me is my friend Steve Fallon Nussbaum. Hey Steve. back in the office. Yeah, another week of sports that just happened, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, let's let's get right into it. Uh so, so let's get right down into it. Okay. So, NBA All Star Game.
1: Fantastic. You know, I love the new format. Uh, it definitely brought on that sort of competitive aspect that the game has been missing for the past few years. Um, LeBron James was stealing the ball from Giannis. Giannis was blocking LeBron, uh, including a crucial one at the rim It created the most intense replay review we've seen so far. Uh, Kyle Lowry was even taking charges, and Chris Paul was phenomenal. He, you know, he, he was the one who brought this new format, the idea, to Adam Silver in the NBA uh, months ago. Uh, He was dunking alley-oops and led a late comeback, and Joel Embiid was uh, trying to single-handedly bring back the post player. Oh, good
0: stuff. I mean, like like I've said in the past, I don't really know much about basketball, but, you know, I was, at least pretty recently, I was critical about how All-Star games have kind of happened in terms of, you know, competitiveness and, and... the the level of play that we we see in like, you know, especially the NFL um we talked about possibly incentivizing it and stuff like that, which I think uh, the NBA has tried to do cuz they're letting um these teams pick their charities that the money goes to. But, you know, do you think that this is the solution?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, team LeBron won over team Giannis 157 to 155. Uh over $500,000 was donated to local charities. Uh we saw a great game. The competitive spirit that uh, we saw many tributes to Kobe Bryant. He was very involved yeah. uh, in the creation of this new format, and that competitive spirit that Kobe Bryant embodied was was very apparent in this new format. A lot of the players felt like his spirit was there that night in Chicago. Yeah.
0: And, I mean, they, they, they did honor him. They, they uh, named the All-Star Game MVP award after him. It's now the Kobe Bryant MVP award. Um is that enough to honor him? I don't think it is. I think they need to do more.
1: I mean, I think it's a great great honor to have this sort of All-Star MVP award named after you. I mean, what else would you want them to do?
0: I mean, one of those one of those things that that we've been talking about or at least has been talked about around the league is retiring his number. Full like league-wide, maybe 8 and 24 both.
1: I mean, that's a that's a big ask for all NBA teams to retire to very popular numbers that's true. because of him i think a lot of players in the future would like to wear those numbers to honor him um i think that this is a great way to honor his legacy to have this sort of all-star award i mean he was a perennial all-star every yeah. year in and out this award that is that he won several times and it's 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 a great legacy to leave behind i think the nba did him great great honors
0: okay well i mean yeah i i like i I mean, I, I totally agree with you. This is something that, you know, it honors him. It gives, it gives this sort of gravity to the award. But, you know, is there something missing, do you think? Is, do you think that there's, again, could there be more f- done for Kobe, but could there be also more done for the All-Star game, do you think?
1: I think that in terms of the All-Star game, one thing that fans feel is missing from the, whether it's the skills day, where they have the three-point competition, the dunk contest, maybe they can add a one-on-one Sort of tournament going, yeah. going forward, uh, that would be a lot of fun. That'd be that'd be huge bragging rights for players. Uh, I can also see a lot of resistance to it from players in the future, though.
0: Yeah, and and I mean, look, so te- I mean, uh, sports are trying to add types of extra events to try and boost, you know, hype around uh all-star games like you know the skills competition now in the nhl that happened this year which was a new concept um well not not necessarily a new concept but there were like uh accuracy shot shot ones which was a new thing it's more like the nfl style skills competition um but i didn't think that that went so well so like do you think that adding more you know competitions and things like that on all-star weekend would be good for the nba because in certain respects i don't th- i think it's di- distracted from the actual all-star game like in the nfl you know you have the the dodgeball game and you have the skills competition and you have all of these extra things that uh, you know people don't really tune in to watch
1: well i think it's different when with the nfl example i feel like these new sort of events were added because the game was so lackluster people were not viewing yeah. and it it doesn't take away from the game. It just adds to the whole experience in general. But with the NBA All-Star game, people love that. People were saying that this is one of the best All-Star games that there's been maybe in NBA history. Uh, adding maybe a one-on-one tournament to All-Star weekend, I think the fans would love it. I don't know if the players would love it so much. Yeah, uh, There's a story that went way back of an offer to Michael Jordan playing Magic Johnson one-on-one for some sort of a a million dollars. It was Magic Johnson's uh, agent who offered up the deal. And Michael Jordan's agent told Magic's agent that, okay, great, we're going to do this. This is going to be phenomenal. And he went to Michael Jordan and offered him the idea to play one-on-one against Magic Johnson. And Michael Jordan said, no way, I'm not doing it. You know, I'm known as this single guy. I can lead a team. I'm fantastic one-on-one basketball. And he's known as this team guy. I don't think I will, this is Jordan talking. I don't think I will lose, but if I did, that would be it. It'd be over for me. It, it would be there's a lot of ego that goes into these kind of one on one games. And I can see a, a future where maybe the NBA wants it to happen, but players, especially stars resisting it.
0: I get that. I do I definitely get that. Um so kind of just to switch gears a little bit, not necessarily sports related, but that national anthem was dreadful.
1: Oh uh, my goodness.
0: Is there, is there something going on with the NBA, like, not being able to find people who can sing the National Anthem? I mean, look, in the past, who'd they have? They had Fergie, who was awful, who, NF- who NBA players still make fun of. Like, there's still videos that come out. I think it was Andre Iguodala that was dancing to, like, a, a, an auto-tuned, or not an auto-tuned version, like a, like a dubstep version of Fergie's National Anthem rendition, and then Chaka Khan did it this time. It was really bad.
1: I know. Fergie, Fergie was known for having the worst national anthem rendition in history and chaka khan came out this weekend and said hold my beer <laughs> and she's now taking that title yeah. and it's all it's pretty comical uh, it was hard, to watch, hard it was, to watch it was
0: definitely hard to watch i, I mean we turned it off kind of halfway through because <laughs> yeah. it was it was really bad you know that was that, that was bad oof i mean let's see what they do next year we'll see uh, if they actually find somebody who can sing
1: i think common was great
0: common i mean Look, I'm not a big fan of the whole showmanship thing when it comes to introducing the rosters, but, you know, a lot of people love the love what Common did. Mm. Um, you know, he was good in John Wick. <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, let's move on.
1: Okay. So now we want to give you an update on the MLB Astros scandal. Uh, Rob Manfred has been ripped by the MLB community, both by players and analas- analysts over the last week for his handling of the Astros cheating scandal. The Astros issued an apology last week for what they did, and it left a lot to be desired. The Astros owner said outright that he did not believe that the scandal affected the game in any way, only to retract and walk back his statement seconds later. Cody Bellinger was asked what he thought about the apology and the Astros punishment. He said that he thought the apologies were whatever. He thought Jim Crane was weak. He thought Manfred's punishment was weak, giving them immunity. He said, quote, those guys were cheating for three years. I think what people don't realize is that Altuve stole an MVP from Judge in 17. Everyone knows they stole a ring from us, but it's over. Mike Trout said that the situation was sad for baseball. He didn't agree with the punishments and the players not getting any form of punishment, even though it was a player-driven thing, and that he lost a lot of respect for those guys on the Astros. And it was even more anger from Braves' Nick Markakis when he, asked, when, when he was asked about how he felt about the Astros. He said, it's anger. Quote, I feel like every single guy over there needs a beating. It's wrong. They're messing with people's careers. And here's some audio from Rob Manfred talking over the weekend about the process of determining the Astros' punishment, courtesy of MLB Network. If you talk...
2: <laughs> we thought about it. Um, it was actually one of the if you talk about minutes of discussion during the process it was high in in terms of the minutes that we spent um talking about it um the my thinking involves several points first of all um it had never happened in baseball and I, I, I do i 'm a precedent guy i, I 'm not saying you always follow precedent, but I think you ought to start by looking back at the way things have been done, and you, you have to have a really good reason to depart from that precedent, I think. Um, number two, um, I believed that the most fundamental obligation I said this before was to get the facts, put them out there and let people make their own judgment as to, to what happened in the 2017 season, the 2017 World Series. Um, I, if nothing else, I think we can all agree that we've gotten enough facts out there that plenty of people have made their judgments as to what went on. Um, and once you have a situation in which the 2017 World Series will always be looked at as something different whether or not you put an asterisk or ask for the trophy back it just you know I don't think it makes that much difference I think we did what we should do that was we found the facts and we were transparent about them last once you go down that road of changing what happens on the field I just don't know how you decide where you stop Um, And, um, you know, this has been really fun, but I'd like to move on to other topics at some point.
1: So Rob Manfred claims that his decision to leave the Astros players unpunished due to the lack of precedent. But the fact is that this has never happened in the history of baseball, this kind of fundamental organized player-based cheating scandal. And when there's a lack of precedent, it is his job as commissioner to set the precedent. And he has now set an extremely weak precedent. He claims that the public admonishment of the Astros player is punishment enough for them, but if you ask anyone involved in baseball, they are extremely upset with this inaction from the commissioner. Not only were the Yankees and Dodgers cheated in the 2017 season, the game of baseball was cheated, and the players are not going to take kindly to that. The rest of the league is going to feel like they have to take matters into their own hands, and prop bets have already been set up by the Pro Sports Betting website on the over-under for the amount of times that the Astros get hit by pitches into the 2020 season the over under is 83.5 are you taking the over or the under
0: i'm taking the over i'm taking
1: the over too that's a low ball estimate
0: yeah i i look i think that i think that with everything that's going on especially what uh, jose altuve came out this week and said or was it this week or the last week that he came out and said um he didn't he didn't want his jersey taken off because his tattoo wasn't finished. Before that, Carlos Correa had said he didn't take his jersey off because he was embarrassed. Like, there is so much inconsistency here, and the fact that this investigation is just going to stop, and that we don't... we Number one, we still don't have anything on the Red Sox. We still have nothing right. on Alex Cora. So, I don't know how long that's going to take. Obviously, like, I don't... I, what what did he do that's so bad that it warrants an entire other investigation that isn't even done yet when this is all supposed to be part of the Astros investigation number two it was a player driven thing like all of these players are culpable and you know you know my feelings about how how it kind of all got blamed on Carlos Beltran I think that that was unfair but he's not a player anymore so they could do whatever they wanted essentially but you know, if if there are guys like Jose Altuve, which is said who's said to be, you know, the, one of the big drivers behind this, like where's the where's the you know responsibility there? There's none. There really isn't.
1: There's none. The the idea that bringing this to light and getting the facts together and making sure that people know that this happened and the public admonishment of these players is punishment enough. Yeah. Is, ridiculous, is, is ridiculous it is ridiculous for a commissioner ridiculous. to say that that is a weak statement and a like i said a weak precedent he he says he's a big precedent guy and he said a very weak precedent it's and it's very unfortunate and like mike trout said it's sad for baseball
0: yeah let's let's put this into perspective right the nfl when when all of the issues with domestic violence started happening at least recently in the past you know 10 or so years what happened to ray rice he his 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 is a special case, I, I agree, but, you know, he was the first case of domestic, domestic assault being really, you know, widespread in, in the NFL, okay? It happens, it's terrible, but, you know, his, his was the first real case of the NFL getting involved, you know? And what did they do to him? They, sh- they, they used him as, as a, a warning to people. I know that he, what he did was awful, and he deserved everything that he got. But he got a life; he got a lifetime ban from the NFL, and the NFL s- started a whole new domestic violence policy around surrounding, you know, players who do this type of thing. Now, now we're going into a different situation in the MLB where there is a a organization-wide issue, and the precedent we're going to set here is that the GM and the manager are going to be suspended for a year. You are going to get fined the max amount. And no players are going to receive any punishment. What does that do? I think, I think the biggest possible thing that they could do to try and uh, make sure teams don't do this again is to suspend the players for years or more. Because I think that if this is a player-driven scheme, and which is what every you know, article is saying now, if this is a player-driven thing, the players getting suspended will make sure that other teams don't do it. So... Crazy to me.
1: Right. I think that uh, this sort of inaction from the commissioner's office is also bringing that animosity on the field. Yeah. It's like Mark Hague says that every Astro needs a beating. Their players are obviously upset about this. This sort of stuff is affecting guys' careers. You know, yeah. pitchers being brought up from the minor leagues only to get cheated against and then be sent back down yeah. because of their, because of the way that they played, which is, has nothing to do with their own skill and ability now players who are going to show that animosity on the field against the astros are going to get more penalized than the players that actually did the cheating
0: yeah which doesn't make any sense and like like you said yeah players are coming out now and saying how how this Astros cheating scandal has probably affected their career i think it was was it joe musgrove who is now suing the astros for you know damaging his his image and career and stuff seth lugo has come out a uh, guy who plays for the mets came out and said you know I, he thinks that if he didn't have a bad outing against the astros in 2017 he'd still be a starter like it, it has completely changed the landscape of some major league players careers and some you know never got another chance and it's really really sad to see
1: definitely definitely sad to see i mean uh mike trout was saying that You know, him going up to the plate, knowing what was coming, he said it would be pretty fun up there.
0: Yeah, he would bat five hundred.
1: It would be incredible. If not more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, that's a big mess. I mean, I I don't see this getting resolved for quite a while. I don't see this ever, honestly, getting resolution. I think people are going to, at some point, move on.
1: Well, we see how much, even from the commissioner's statement that we just listened to, Manfred says... You know, I'm having a lot of fun talking about this, but I'd like to talk about something else. We see how much he does not want to talk about this because everybody involved in baseball in some way, shape, or form thinks that he did a terrible job, and he's feeling that pressure. Uh, He wants to move on. The Astros want to move on, but it's hard for everybody else to move on because there has been no punishment, no retribution, and we can't just pretend like things are all okay.
0: Yeah. I think that there's a few things that that need to happen if people want to move on, okay? I think that either he should have done something right in the first place, he should have done the right thing from the start, which he didn't. He should have either been, you know, reprimanded by the owners or, you know, ousted by the league. Honestly, if if the outcry is this bad and it's causing this many issues across baseball, not just for the Astros, but, you know, Cody Bellinger, Mike Trout, Seth Lugo, everyone is coming out and saying something about it. If it's causing this many issues, he should be gone. I'm, I'm sorry. It's going to distract from. It's going to distract from the season. It's going to distract from baseball. And I think it's going to. It's going to cause detriments to the league overall. I think there's going to be a drop in viewership. I think that there's going to be a, a big drop in attendance. And I think that overall, this is a terrible move for baseball. The fact that he didn't do enough, and he's not back. Like s- stepping back and saying, "Hey, look, something's not right here," because there are so many inconsistencies that are coming out day after day about, you know jose Altuve not taking his jersey off or you know any anything of that sort there's so many things that are coming out that it, it it should behoove or sorry i don't know if that's the right word but it should you know be something that the commissioner does to go back and say hey maybe i messed up maybe i need to re reevaluate this because clearly it's it's not working <laughs>
1: well you can't go back in yeah. time he gave the players immunity. That's you can't true. go back and say never mind. Um, what you're left with uh, what options you're left with are how are we going to how are we going to talk about history? How are we going to talk about the 2017 playoffs? Yeah. Okay, are we going to put an asterisk in the history of baseball? And Manfred says that it makes no difference to him. Yeah. And this sort of I don't really care attitude. You know, I'm sure Manfred cares. You know, but he comes off as somebody who doesn't really know what he's doing or doesn't really care. Yeah, and that attitude is very detrimental.
0: I agree, and I think I think that it sets a bad precedent. I think that a lot of other teams are going to find ways to try and cheat. I think they will, because if 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 this took you know three years to come out and it was it was uncovered by a, a most mostly uncovered by a guy on Twitter, right? It was uncovered by John Boy yeah. on Twitter, right? Mostly. And you know, if th- if this is what's going to happen, I think teams are going to look for more, you know, more high tech or less sent. Uh, like, <sighs> sorry. I think the teams are going to come up with with more high-tech ways of doing this and more and less identifiable ways of doing this. not like banging on a garbage can like a buzzer that were, you know, that apparently Jose Altuve may or may not have worn. Stuff like that. I think that it's going to happen. Just because if if we're if we're just saying that this is all that's going to happen and all the players won't have any problems, players I I think that there'll be players who would be like, "Yeah, I don't care about the manager. I'll do this anyway."
1: There was some fan who snuck into the Astros training facility down in Florida today. Yeah and was banging on a trash can until he got kicked out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Uh, You're listening to 89.1 WFNM Lancaster. Uh, If you got, how do you feel about the Astros cheating scandal? Let us know. Call in 717-358-4096. Let's keep going then, shall we? Uh, So, Bartolo Colon is back. Finally. Big Sexy has signed with a Mexican Baseball League team. I'm not sure which one, but he did sign. Um, I mean, I love the guy. He's been, he was one of my favorite baseball players for a few years. Like, watching that guy pitch was awesome because he was great too like it wasn't like you know he was just out there and people were like oh he's just he's just a big guy it's funny to watch him play baseball no he's just a good baseball player Yeah, he was a good pitcher for years
1: he's on the acereros de monclova of the mexican league
0: yeah so how old is the guy it was a 46 46 oh my i mean look uh something came out recently that that uh who I think it was Julio Franco, the guy that used to play for the Mets, was still playing at, like, 50-something. Rafael Palmero's playing at, like, 52. Hey, you know what? If the guy can still pitch, the guy can still pitch. It's not like he was, you know, throwing 95 in the majors. He was throwing, like, what, topping out at 86 or something? And, you know, he became a control pitcher, and he knows how to throw, and he knows how to play, and he stayed in, in you know, shape but you know like good for him i'm really happy i i I can't wait to see more bartolo videos i hope he hits a home run i hope (laughs) he does that was one of the greatest games i've ever watched in my entire life top
1: moment in mets history oh
0: one of them one of them (laughs) we don't have many but that's definitely one of them that's that's up there i mean pete's 53 bartolo's bartolo's home run (laughs) winning the world series twice that's i think that's all we got johan's no hitter maybe in there too but, you know what? Uh, all right, Dickey's 20th game winner, Cy Young's, all that. But I, Bartolo's is up there. I mean, if Gary Cohen's call doesn't say it where he said, this is one of the great moments in the history of baseball, <laughs> I don't know what does. Um, so, with that, there's a bunch of new rules in, in the MLB this year. Um, one thing is, you know, pit, relief pitchers have to be in the game now for at least three batters. These are mostly... Um, pace of play rules so um i mean that's always been an an emphasis for rob manfred even though we we we, you guys all know our opinions on him pace of play has always been one of those things that he's trying to you know make a little bit better try to keep the game a little smoother um so yeah so pitcher needs to be in for three players that kind of gets rid of the lefty specialist which i don't know how i feel about how do you feel
1: I'm not a big fan. I understand the idea behind this new rule. Pace of play is obviously important. They don't want broadcasts going on for five hours anymore. But when a game is very close, down late in the game, ninth inning, you want to bring in your pitchers to face certain hitters. It's always been like this in baseball.
0: I think that there are certain things that that there are like certain allowances, so you can bring in a, a pitcher for one batter if it's like two outs in an inning or something. So you could just get this last out.
1: Yeah, they have to either face three batters or and or make it to the end of the inning. Okay, that's the rule. But I'm thinking of a scenario late in a game where a pitcher is brought in. You know, maybe yeah. maybe the team is up one and they give up a shot to tie the game, and they're gonna be rattled. They're going to be rattled after that scenario and maybe keep pitching, unable to find the strike zone. And instead of a manager being able to take their guy out knowing that they're struggling... They, they're going to have to walk and put two guys on base and then finally they can bring in their, yeah. their new pitcher. I think it's going to be something that managers complain about in the future in this next season. Or I, they're not implementing it until... Uh, it's tw- 2020. Oh, it's this yeah, new so okay. it's this season. Yeah. The thing,
0: I, I, I also don't like this because I, I agree with you. If, you. if you send out a pitcher and he dies out there, basically. If he gives up, gives up, comes in with the bases loaded, gives up all three runs, right? You can't do anything. If the guy is just rattled, can't focus can't find the strike zone you can't do anything you just leave him out there to die and i i think that that's terrible i think that that ruins a player's psyche i think that this is really bad i i mean i've always been a fan of the lefty specialist i thought that that's a great you know that's that's a especially in the national league you know where you're, you're deciding between you do double switches and all these things where you know there's a little bit more strategy involved having a lefty specialist come in and then you know pinch hit for him and or double switch so that you could whatever i think that that's an added added intricacy of the game, and I think that you know not having these pitching changes happen in the middle of innings uh, distracts from that, and also uh, takes away from National League baseball. I would think so.
1: Definitely. I mean, if you wanted to attack the problem of how long the game is because of pitching switches, yeah, I think there are other ways you could go about it. Maybe by limiting the time. That a a new pitcher can take when throwing i i think there are other alternatives to this new rule that
0: are better than should have been considered i i would agree um another one so in september uh so the the roster size now from august 1st on is 26 then in september the number of call-ups is limited it used to be that you could call up 40 guys total I believe I think you can call up anyone on your 40-man roster for September call-ups. Now I think that number is limited to like 30, which is you know. I think that that's good. I think that it's it's a little bit it's a little bit annoying for a team you know that might not be making the playoffs and kind of wants to see what they have in the minors. But you know what? I think that this is good. I think that giving giving minor leaguers this false sense of hope by calling them up September first and them thinking maybe they'll make the major league team next year might be a problem. I think that this is just something that they need to, you know. I think that this is something that they've needed to do for a while, um, and I, I think that this one is a good, good idea. I agree.
1: This is one of the few things, new rule changes yeah. that are, I believe, positive.
0: A twenty-six man will be will be beneficial for everybody. You get a twenty-seventh for double headers. Um, I think that it'll help with stretch runs and everything like that. I think that it'll keep players a little bit fresher. I think it's just a great idea overall. Agreed. Um, limits on position players pitching I do not like this one at all so in order to be registered as a pitcher so as, as a two way player so a position player needs to have played 20 innings in the field um, a, a pitcher needs to have or 20 innings in the field in the minors a pitcher needs to have had pitched 20 innings in the minors so in order to, to register as a two way player you need to have done both I think that this is bad what happens in a game, you know, where you go 18 innings, you use up your entire bullpen. What what happens if you you're on your last pitcher and you you just leave him out there to die again? Like I think that this is ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure of the motivation behind this new yeah. rule. Uh, people always love it when they see non or excuse me, when they see position players coming into pitch.
0: Drew it's, Butera. Drew Butera back a few years ago on the, on the Royals used to do it all the time, and it was great to watch.
1: Yeah, fans love it. I'm not exactly sure the reasoning yeah. behind this new rule.
0: I think I think it's ridiculous. I know I know that they want to probably try to make it a little bit more competitive, but honestly, when you're in a 20-to-1 yeah, game... the only
1: scenario where that kind of thing would happen is a late, late extra inning game. Late
0: extra inning game or a blowout. Exactly. Right? When you're in a 20-to-1 game and you don't want to waste your bullpen, why why send out a, a, a pitcher you know i think that this i i think that that teams are going to start getting catchers to start throwing uh an inning at a time in the minors just to see you know give them give them 20 games get get them out there for 20 innings i think that that'll give you you know a little bit more a little bit more of an option but also at the same time i think it's ridiculous so i i don't know how this leaves a guy like shohei otani who is a two-way player but I, I can't imagine that he's particularly happy. While well, I get that he's a you know he's a he's in the American League, so it's a little bit different with the DHing and everything. I, I can't imagine that he'd be particularly happy about this. I can't imagine either. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Moving on. Uh, the XFL, week two. Um how did you how did you feel it went? I thought week two was like the first
1: week. I thought it was very successful. Uh, attendance was up. Overall, uh, the Seattle Dragons were actually able to attract 30,000 fans to the stadium, Uh, basically a sellout of the lower bowl, uh, which is all they were offering anyways, so that's fantastic for the league. Um, In St. Louis, the Roughnecks were actually able to outpace the Blues in terms of TV ratings, which is Another huge statistic for the league, and
0: and to put into perspective, the Blues are you know the reigning Stanley Cup champions. Like they are a good hockey team. Yeah, that is surprising.
1: Yeah, I mean they've been on an eight game skid. I'm not sure if that has anything to do yeah. with it. Uh, people are just dissatisfied, maybe wanted to watch some football. It's- but either way, the ratings uh, were phenomenal for week two. Um, a lot of standout players are starting to come out with the XFL with PJ Walker and the Houston Roughnecks uh, throwing three touchdowns. With the kind of flair you want to see out of your star QB yeah uh, Cardell Jones is huge for DC great personality uh, hasn't lost a football game since high school and both these guys are clearly in the early running for XFL MVP I know it's early but yeah. uh, it's time to start talking about these things uh, the future of the XFL I think is pretty bright people seem to really like it uh, a, the only problem I imagine being brought up and I've seen it being brought up on you know NBC sports. Is the quality of QB play? Yeah, uh, that's always an issue. I mean, it's h- not all e- even all thirty NFL teams can't get a quality quarterback. It's hard for a brand new league to come in and yeah I, meet I, that uh, criteria. I think that in the future they will be able to bring back some talent from the CFL in Canada, and I think that we're gonna see. A fix to this QB quality problem in upcoming seasons.
0: I think one thing that you're going to see a- as time goes on, and you know, as the NFL starts drafting players and all these guys go undrafted, I think, and then you know, and the NFL makes roster cuts and all of these things. I think as you're going to, as time goes on, you're going to see a better crop of talent coming into the XFL.
1: Absolutely, if the XFL can position itself as a legitimate alternative to the XFL, or even as a developmental league, as they've described themselves yeah. as. Uh, the quality of talent is going to only can go up.
0: Yeah, look for for college players to come out who who feel that they don't have an opportunity to make it to the NFL or don't go drafted. This is an opportunity for them to showcase. I think it's really hard for a player to go and showcase themselves outside of like you know outside of a, a game situation. Like the, the combine can only show you so much. Uh, teams that want to go draft a player now in the NFL, they 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 focus their attention on the Combine a little bit, but they also put a lot of emphasis on game film and, you know, intangibles like mental stuff and and everything like that. I think that it's more valuable to go and see a player play the game and also develop in a situation where he can, you know, actually play. So, yes, I think that as time goes on and as the XFL sticks around and as more college players graduate and try to get into the NFL and don't go drafted... Or anything like that, I think that we're going to see a much better product on the field. That being said, some of the football that was played this weekend was horrendous yeah, absolutely the the New York Guardians, while wow, go yeah. Guardians hashtag on duty, were dreadful, absolutely awful like that was honestly some of the worst football I've ever watched in my entire life. Matt McGloin was horrendous, yeah like he how many
1: that's what brings you back to this you know Q, QB quality problem yeah. uh with especially you know you can talk about Matt McGloin he's the front runner in my opinion of that he's the headline of that issue yeah
0: i mean um, he's a he's a he was a perennial you know NFL backup it's not yeah, like he yeah, i
1: think he ended the game with a QB rating of 10
0: <laughs> oof
1: yeah it was hard to watch
0: That is... getting was shut out on round. the
1: road uh getting I shut, mean... yeah oh, sorry just focusing on Matt McLoy, I mean this this XFL stand was supposed to be like a brand new fresh start and it's sad he he had a wicked outburst on the sidelines yeah. blaming his teammates and coaches for for the rough style for the rough play going on. Uh, it was sad to see his these kind of colors showing like they did on Saturday. It was bad for the team. Uh they definitely need to get on the same page before going to St. Louis next week. Uh I mean he even got benched before the, in in the fourth quarter I would't be surprised to see him getting benched again next game but this is also the same kind of this is kind of access that people wanted out of the xFL yeah. you know this is the kind of on on the sideline uh interviews uh being able to see these guys' personalities up close and personal uh it's, it's good and bad
0: look yes i totally agree i think that having this sort of having this sort of uh transparency when it comes to issues and stuff is good but at the same time it started drama like matt mcgloin the reason why there was so much drama on the sideline is matt mcgloin went to the uh on-field reporter and said you know we got to change up the whole game plan i think that the offensive offense is not working and you know that led to kevin gilbride coming up to him and saying hey dude get get your you know Mental or mental state, right? Because it's not it's not going well. And look, Kevin gilbride does have a history in the past of being, you know, uh, a polarizing figure. I know back when he was coaching for uh, the Houston Oilers, he punched a guy. He punched uh, Buddy. Was it? Uh, I think Buddy Ryan. Yeah. So Rex Ryan's daddy punched Buddy Ryan in the face on the sideline back back when he was coaching for the Houston Oilers. Um, so look, you know. Kevin, I, I'm also a Giants fan, so I've seen Kevin Gilbride coach for years, or at least had. He won us two Super Bowls. He was the offensive coordinator for both. So, you know, I I, I feel that. I get it. But at the same time, got to get your stuff together. Got to gotta find a way to win, and Matt McGloin just isn't doing it for them. Like you said, a QB rating of 10, and, you know, his, his mind was not in the right spot, and he was causing problems on the sideline, and if that's going to be an issue, you know, there's other quarterbacks out there. I think that I think that, you know, if if, if this is a, a continuing thing, and after he showed so much promise in week one, and he played a really good game to sh- to come out here and, and lay a goose egg like that, I think that there there might be some things that need to be done. Definitely. Yeah. Um So yeah, and, and you said the attendance and TV ratings are great. Um I think that, that that's something that, you know, the original XFL didn't have going for it as well as the AAF um in in recent years so i think i think that they did this right i think that you know having the the tv deals with with fox sports and espn are great i think that giving the odds out for you know all the new sports betting that's going on is great i think that the access and the the transparency in terms of replay and and player interactions and stuff is great and I think that this is some this is some stuff that's gonna gonna spill over into the NFL, and I think I'm I'm really excited for that because, you know, in the past, at least for for NFL replays and stuff, especially with the new PI with the new pass interference uh, penalty review, we haven't had that that same level of transparency, and, you know, that has kind of led to people saying that um, the head of NFL officiating, whose name I cannot remember at this time needs to be fired i know that my brother is someone that's been saying that a lot he's a diehard nfl fan he's been saying that all the time that uh that the head of nfl officiating needs to go um because you know there's no transparency there and we don't know what what a pass interference call is anymore in the nfl meanwhile in the in the xfl you see a guy with at the at the monitor seeing saying exactly what he's seeing and relaying it down to the field I think that that's far better, and I think that fans really love that.
1: Absolutely. The transparency and the officiating. Uh, I love how they use Xbox controllers. <laughs> I think that's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, them being able to describe what they're seeing and why they're, ma- why they're making the decisions that they are making is phenomenal. It's something that everybody is. It's something that's been very lacking in the NFL uh, for years now. Um yeah, I, I, I love it. It's fantastic. Okay.
0: Let's pause for a PSA real quick on WFNM 89.1 Lancaster. There are things you need to talk about with your child, like the dangers of alcohol. Think it's too soon to start talking about underage drinking? One in three kids has tried alcohol before age eight. And that number
2: becomes two in three by age 12. So talk with your kids about alcohol. The earlier, the better. Learn more at knowoneknowhow.org.
0: Sponsored by the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board. And we're back. So Steve has one more thing to say about the XFL. Um, Yeah, just
1: in terms of TV ratings and uh, participation, something that's huge to look forward, to look in the future towards, is the fact that currently the XFL is broadcasting three games a week on basic cable and one on regular uh, cable. And over the course of this season, they're going to be showing less and less games uh, on basic and more on regular cable. For example, in week six, they're going to be showing three on cable and three on regular broadcast. And I want to see how that decision affects viewership overall. People aren't going to be watching ESPN and Fox Sports 1 as much as they are going to be watching ABC.
0: Yeah, the access, the access is definitely something that will, will kind of affect their ratings. I mean, I think one of the things that people enjoy about the NFL is, number one, the availability. Number two, the fact that you know it's, it's accessible to everyone and i think that putting placing people out of this market for the xfl is kind of a little bit of an issue cuz you know it, it it people who have basic cable packages and stuff aren't going to be able to watch it and i think that a lot of people at least in these in these markets that they're using might not necessarily have the money to, to invest in, in bigger cable in bigger cable providers and getting more channels so like st louis i, I don't know how many people down there are going to go and actively look at look at for battlehawks games when you know it, it it just seems a little bit strange to me that they wouldn't try to push more onto onto you know mainstream channels and stuff like that
1: well looking at the speaking of just the games and attendance in general looking at ticket prices on the secondary market they were selling season tickets for $100 the XFL the, on the secondary market they were selling season single game tickets excuse me for 120 so people want to go. People want to go to these games.
0: Yeah, and look, if they're competitive, I think that they're gonna they're gonna get better. I I, I mean, we kind of don't really know what teams have yet because we thought that the Guardians would be great because they looked really good for week one, and then they come out here, their defense looks horrendous, and they, and they lay a goose egg. Like, so I I, I don't know. I think that I exactly think that,
1: just be buying into the hype. Yeah. Again.
0: Yeah. Anyway. So there's a li- there's still a bunch more to get to. Let's let's keep the ball rolling. Um, this is a s- subject that neither you or I really know much about, but it's a uh, big sports news as of late. Um, Manchester City uh, was just recently banned from Champions League play for the next two seasons due to finance problems. They were you know there there was a competitive balance concerns um, as in regards to the money that they were paying uh, players. Um, their owner, who is Mansour bin Zayed al-Nayan, who's also the, um, the half-brother of the current president of the United Arab-, Arab Emirates, and is a member of the royal family of Abu Dhabi, is, you know, big, uh, made his money in oil, and also the fact that he's royal, um, and, you know, he's the one fronting all the money for Man City, and they were kind of... Uh, having issues with competitive balance in terms of the money that they're spending. So, uh Champions League decided to suspend them from Champions League play for two seasons, which is pretty sad, honestly. You know, if a team if, if a team's putting in as much money as they are <laughs> like, you know, let them play. It's not like the Dodgers are getting are out here getting, you know, uh ostracized for spending as much money as they do or the Yankees. Like it just seems a little crazy to me, you know.
1: I think it was because they lied about how they got the money. They they hid the money in sponsorship checks. Yeah, from from the royal family. There was was also
0: there was also competitive balance concerns as well. Yeah,
1: exactly. It it was just the shadiness of it all. Uh, I'm not well versed on the subject. Yeah, but what I do know is that the the ban does seem legitimate and should be upheld.
0: I I mean yes. Uh, Look. It just kind of it's a it's a it's a bad thing for uh, what's the what's the British league? It's the Premier League. It's a bad thing for Premier League fans to not see Man City succeed. I know, especially now that Man U is not not the powerhouse that it used to be and stuff like that. Man City was was kind of growing and, and getting into a point where you know there was a lot more hype around it, but now it's not a uh, not going to happen like that anymore. Anyway, I don't know how much more we could talk about. You know, the, the Champions League, neither of us really knows that much, let's just move on. Um, this is another thing that we don't really know much about, but, you know, it's something that we need to talk about really quick. Uh, Ryan Newman got uh, into a violent crash in the last lap of Daytona 500, so his injuries are not life-threatening, but he is in serious condition. He was taken to the hospital after the race um and treated i i believe he's still in the hospital yeah. and he probably will be for some for some time just to treat i would assume you know burns and stuff like that which is terrible to think because it was a very violent very fiery crash his car burst into flames some really terrible things happened but you know we're, we're hoping for the best for him um do you have anything else to say on the matter
1: no i'm just glad he's doing okay uh like you said it was a very violent crash very scary scene at the daytona 500 uh, his family came out yesterday and said that his injuries are not life-threatening; that he should be okay in a matter of time. So I'm, um, you know, just happy to hear that everybody's okay, and I'm sure he's looking forward to racing again.
0: Gotta hope so. Uh, get better soon, Ryan Newman. We're we're all we're all pulling for you, buddy. Um, if you're listening, which I don't think you are, because you're in Georgia, but it's okay. Um, so, NFL, Vernon Hargraves got cut by the Texans. Redskins cut Josh Norman. These are these are big things, you know. Yeah. They're they're these are star players or at least former star players that are getting cut. They're a lot of money. Vernon Hargraves was a great corner for a long time or safety? I forget.
1: Um, and then yeah, Josh Norman was one of the top corners in the league yeah. just 3 years ago and now he's being cut by the Redskins.
0: And an article came out recently uh, from someone saying that the Giants should try to pursue Josh Norman, I'm thinking to myself, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my entire life. To, just to start, so let's let's talk about the the feuds that Josh Norman has had with the Giants in, pa- in the past. I know they mostly deal with Odell Beckham, who's now a Cleveland Brown, but there are some there. You know, it, it was the on-field taunting, all of the, you know, all of that stuff. It just doesn't seem like it would be a good fit for me. Plus, the other thing is... Dave Gettleman is the is the person responsible for rescinding the franchise tag on Josh Norman when he was a Carolina Panther. Dave Gettleman's now the GM of the Giants. I, and back then, uh, Josh Norman was livid. So I cannot see him going, "Oh, I'm okay with Josh Get, uh, with Dave Gettleman now. I'm just going to, you know, go to the Giants cuz I'll be so happy there." Meanwhile, you know, whoever wrote that was ridiculous because that is never going to happen. There's just too much bad blood there. It's, it just won't happen. Plus, the Giants are not going to take on another, another big-name, high-priced corner like, like they did recently with Janoris Jenkins, who they cut last season and he got signed by the Saints.
1: Yeah, it just doesn't seem like a good fit.
0: It's definitely not a good fit. Um,
1: Maybe XFL.
0: <laughs> I doubt it. I mean, look, the, guy, the guy's used to being paid millions and millions of dollars Absolutely. a season. There's no way he goes to the XFL. Players there are wa- making, what, 55000 a season? That's not going to happen for, for Josh Norman. I mean, I know that was a bit of a joke, but like
1: <laughs> I don't see it happening either. It's not
0: going to happen. Anyway, um what else? Tyrod Taylor might get a starting spot with the Chargers as we knew recently Philip Rivers um, ended his time with the Chargers. They they announced that he would they wouldn't re-sign him or did they cut him? I think they wouldn't re-sign him. I think his contract was up. So now Philip Rivers is a free agent. Um I mean, good for Tyrod Taylor. He's he's bounced around a lot. He was what? With the Browns at one point. He was originally with the Bills. Um, he's been a bunch of places, I know. So, good for him. If he wins the starting spot, great. Um, Jameis Winston got LASIK to try and, uh, fix some of the problems that he had last year, including being terrible at football. Uh, (laughs) good for him. You know, he got, he threw, what, 30 interceptions last year. Um, somehow was still ranked higher than Daniel Jones on the NFL's quarterback list.
1: He was the first, he's the first member of the 30-30 club.
0: 30 touchdowns, 30, 30 interceptions? Exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, look. Good for him to try and fix that. I, I mean I, I can't I can't imagine that his vision was so bad that he's, you know, throwing thirty interceptions. Like even if even if his vision was bad, you could still see the difference between a, a red jersey and a white jersey. So I don't know. It just seems a little bit crazy to me that, that that this is what he thinks is gonna change his, you know, entire outlook for his season. But you know what? Good for him. Um Do we have anything else? Yeah, the
1: the thing about Phillip Rivers and free agency. I don't think you're going to see a lot of quarterbacks moving around very early in this offseason. The first thing that needs to happen is Tom Brady needs to sign.
0: I knew you were going to say that. I I totally agree. And uh, honestly, Tom Brady, I think now that Drew Brees has announced he's coming back, I think that there's a little bit more clarity to what's going on, just because I think that everybody was wait, wait, waiting for that last domino to fall. Just hear that that Drew Brees is going to be back, and the Saints aren't going to be in the market for a quarterback. Although I don't know if they would have been, just because they have Taysom Hill and uh, and Teddy Bridgewater, who both looked great last year. Taysom Hill in you know his many roles as a, a kick returner and a, and a wildcat quarterback and stuff like that. And, ty- and I believe uh, I believe Teddy Bridgewater uh, filled in for Drew Brees during the playoffs. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, anyway, um, you know, wait. Uh, oh, sorry. I just got news that all of the Saints' quarterbacks are free agents, including Taysom Hill, Teddy Bridgewater, and Drew Brees. So I think that that's going to be a big, uh, that's going to be a big thing. So, so now that Drew Brees is returning for the twenty twenty season, I think that that makes things a little bit harder. Even, sorry. Definitely. <sighs> yeah. Um, look. Like you said, Tom Brady is going to be a big piece. Drew Brees is going to be a big piece. Philip Rivers is going to be a big piece. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, Tom
1: Brady's sort of like the the crown or the trophy of this offseason Yeah, but in then terms again, of the quarterback position.
0: Then again, his la- his season last year wasn't that great.
1: Right, his season wasn't that great last year. I've heard reports, ESPN reports that uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots still have not started talks for the next season. And the every day that 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 those talks don't start is an is a higher chance that he's going to leave.
0: Yes, I, I I would agree. I mean, look, I still think that there's definitely a large chance that he goes back to the Patriots.
1: I think it's what we all expect, but
0: yeah. uh, but you know, there's always that possibility they could go somewhere else. I know, I know, Indianapolis drafted Andrew Luck I know it's a different situation because because Peyton Manning was injured and they didn't know if they were going to get him back but but Indianapolis drafted Andrew Luck and they and they and uh Peyton Manning went to Denver like you know star quarterbacks do leave and it's it's happened in the past it uh I mean Joe Namath went to the Chiefs right uh or not Joe Namath sorry Joe Montana went to the Chiefs like, it happens. So I think that we need to be... I, I think we, or at least sports fans, need to be prepared for that eventuality that Tom Brady ends up somewhere else. It's always weird to see a, a player who's played for their, played their entire career for one team end up on some random team at the end of their career. It is. It's like Brett Favre on the, on the Minnesota Vikings. Which I still can't believe he did because they were bitter rivals and he hated the Vikings. Anyway, um, we're getting t- towards the end of our show, there's one more big. Uh, sorry, um, there's one more big thing that's going on this week. Uh, we got box in the boxing world. We got the rematch of Deon. Is it Deontay Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury? Um, how I'm do you feel about? I'm
1: very excited for this. I'm fight. excited for that. Very one. excited. Last last uh, time they met. They went all twelve rounds, and the decision was a draw. Uh, very disappointing result. Uh, Tyson Fury was knocked down in the later rounds a few times, and it was it was still determined to draw. These guys do not like each other. Oh, they hate each These other. These guys hate each other. It should be a good fight.
0: Uh, well, I, we should mention that there are some other you know things involved. I know that. In the past, uh, Tyson Fury has been accused of being uh, anti-Semitic and racist and, and homophobic and xenophobic. I think that that, that also kind of adds to the... Um, I know that Deontay Wilder has said that he doesn't like that about him and that, that he's he's known to be you know, a racist, and, and that's part of why he hates him so much. Um, I hate him, personally. I think that he's... He has said,
1: he has said some terrible things. He has said some awful in things. In interviews, and he's denied uh women the opportunity to interview him just because they're women uh so these these allegations have been documented a lot of them are true uh and it does add to that bitter rivalry that we're talking about between wilder and fury
0: yeah and and like we said the first time around it was a draw even though many believe it shouldn't have been um it was a close fight it was a close fight um i
1: had wilder winning in the later rounds just because of the knockdowns uh Oh, I must admit, it was a very close fight. I, I'm happy to see them go, you know, run it back and go again.
0: Yeah, it, it'll definitely be a fun time. Um, I'm excited for it. I'm not usually a big boxing guy, but I will definitely be watching. Um, you know, look, it's it's one of the bigger boxing matches that's happened in a long time. Tyson Fury is, you know, one of the biggest stars in in boxing right now. There's no more. There's really no more Floyd Mayweather. There's no more Manny Pacquiao. It's Tyson Fury's show. And Deontay Wilder's show. Like this is this is the big thing in in boxing and the big thing in fighting right now. I I I'm excited for it. I I will be watching. Um and yeah. Did you happen to catch any of the UFC this weekend or
1: Yeah, I was able to watch the main event between um who was it again? The Polish guy. Yes. Um That was a great fight too.
0: It was a good fight.
1: Uh, it was the sixth rank Light heavyweight versus the fifth-ranked light heavyweight. Uh, number six came out on top. He's fantastic with a great knockout.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we kind of ran out of stuff here towards the end, but, um, you know, uh, let's. I mean, I'm looking forward to XFL Week 3. Do you have any ideas about matchups and, and stuff of that sort?
1: Uh, I know the Guardians are going out to St. Louis, uh, St. Louis has been looking very good. They they were very close to beating the uh, Roughnecks li- last week. Yeah.
0: that that game that game by the way was excellent. Yeah, that was th- a great th- that game. That was a really good game. That that was the saving grace for me in terms of uh, the XFL for this past week was just you know after getting so demoralized after getting so demoralized by the Guardians getting shut out, uh, seeing that game on was it Sunday afternoon Sunday night was great. I really thought that that was an excellent game. It really, it really helped, helped me to, to feel like you know things are getting better for, for the XFL and things are going to be sustained. But
1: Definitely, the big storyline is Matt McGloin's return on the field um, to see how he handles this comeback after a rough week in D.C. to see how he responds to this negative press coverage he's gotten from basically universally and to see how his teammates respond to what he has said about them and his coaching staff. It's really, I'd say the New York Guardians are the team to watch, even if it is a fire, a dumpster fire. It, that is the big storyline going into week three of the XFL. All
0: right. Awesome to hear. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Any, any other? All right. It's well, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back next week on Tuesday from 5 to 6. Once again, this has been Sports with Sam on WFNM. Have a good evening, everybody.